0: Hey, it's Sana Kadar from All In The Mind, and today I have something a little bit different for you. I want to introduce you to another fantastic ABC podcast called The Pineapple Project. Hosted by Walkley award-winning journalist Jan Fran, this season tackles death. Not necessarily grief, but all the awkward stuff we don't talk about. Like how to plan a funeral, how to actually write your will how to manage a death in the workplace, and even who do you call first when someone dies at home? It's an eight-episode season, and in this episode I've chosen for you, Jan's exploring one of society's biggest taboos, how to actually have a conversation about dying with the people you love.
1: There's always a sense of denial that comes into your mind. Like, whenever... I mean, I, I experience it. Like, whenever I think about Fraser, the, the best cat in the world, my cat, I know that he will eventually die. But then there's this little voice in my head that says, well, maybe he won't. <laughs> and I know it's ridiculous, but it makes me feel good. So, I sometimes will just go with it. Even though I know it's, it's irrational and it's not logical and it's... Yeah, it's denial. Yeah, it's, it's total It's denial. denial, yeah. But sometimes denial isn't
2: comfortable. Hello, it's Jan Fran here. This is The Pineapple Project and that's my sister, Mira. I'm about to have an uncomfortable conversation. Neither of us want to be here, truth be told. But I think that we do have to think about death at some point.
1: Yeah. But maybe, maybe when it happens is the point. I don't know.
2: that's the thing though it's like i think i want to try and bring these topics up with the fam Mm. and i just think that they're not gonna be into it i think they're just gonna you know change the subject or leave the room (laughs) or like cross themselves 1000 times and like say a prayer to the Virgin Mary. Like, I think that's what will actually happen if I Yeah, or like
1: any time dad wants to exit himself from a conversation, he just goes to sleep.
2: Yeah, yeah. they'll, just, they'll <laughs> fall asleep immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, particularly for them. I mean, they're in their 60s. I, I feel like possibly the later you get in life, the more you contemplate your own mortality. You know, at least when we contemplate our mortality, we're like, oh, I mean, (laughs) unless I get hit by a bus tomorrow or, like, you know, something really crazy happens. I've still got maybe a good 40 to 50 years. But, like, with them, it's like, well, you know, things are probably going to start cracking in the next 10.
2: Like, I just don't think that they would be down for it.
1: Mum doesn't like to talk about it. Mum is of that mentality where it's like, no, don't talk about things that will make you sad. That's just not how you get through life. You can't think about the sad things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But also I think she thinks that like if you do talk about death, like you will it, you know, or
1: uh, ah, yeah, it's, yeah.
2: it's like you bring it on or something. Yeah,
1: totally. <laughs> She's a little bit superstitious like that where, I mean, yeah, a lot of people think about that, like manifesting what you want in life. And if you are constantly thinking about death, then maybe it'll happen. Um, well, it will happen. What do you think about that? But it, or you it don't? might not for us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, but like that's the insanity of it. It's like, yeah. yeah, no, it it will happen. I'm 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 fairly certain of that, yeah. you know. So here we all are. It's the last episode. And yeah, I reckon we've gotten pretty good at planning for this whole death malarkey. If I said, mate, somebody's died and no-one knows where the will is, you'd be all like, I'll just ask the executor and have this sorted out in a jiffy. If I asked you to plan a funeral, you'd probably be like, sure, Jan, what's your preference? Cremation, burial, metallic gold coffin or a hand-loomed eco-shroud? You've already nominated someone to take over your social media accounts when you die, and you've given a mate a tap on the shoulder to clean out your bedside table. Boing, boing. In fact, if I called you tonight, and said, there's a dead body, what do I do with it? You'd be like, mate, chill, we got this. Let's make a couple of phone calls, eh? Get the death certificate sorted. And actually, you should probably lay low for a while. (laughs) Am I right? Bit of a murder joke there. Tasteless. Now, that's all well and good. But if your people are anything like my people that is going to require at least one rather tricky conversation. So, it sounds like you might need to take a little class called Awkward Conversations About Death 101. (laughs) Our teacher today is Dr. Ursula sansom daly
3: This stuff is some of the most full-on stuff that we can be thinking about. I mean, it's life and death, literally.
2: Dr Ursula should know, she's a clinical psychologist and postdoctoral research fellow at the University of New South Wales. She works with young people and their families dealing with cancer. So, Dr Ursula, tell me, how do I start this conversation?
3: Start with taking the pressure off. It's maybe not the sort of conversation that you're going to want to have sitting around a dinner table, particularly if your family is really nervous or really awkward about it or just so, so superstitious, they just don't even want to touch it. So think about different ways that you can maybe you know, ease in a bit slowly, like you know, is there a way that you can have a chat while you walk a dog, take a drive, maybe cook something? make dumplings. You know, this means you're not intensely staring into each other's eyes and you can sort of regulate the emotional intensity of the conversation when things get hard. You can step back and focus on something else.
2: If I said I need to talk to you about dying, will you come on a walk with me? My sisters would literally assume I was dying and become inconsolable.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think you could probably play around with different ways to sort of enter into that conversation. But Totally good point. Um, I think you've got to start with something real that matters, right? Maybe give them a why. You know, why are you talking about this? And kids are a really good way to start. If something happened to me, here's what I would want for the kids. You know, here's how I'd want them to be looked after. And what set of grandparents, what auntie isn't going to be on board with talking about that? but I only have a cat. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe have a think about other things that are important to you. So, you know, are you a traveller? Are you someone that hates pain? Are you someone who, um, you know, is a bit... Uh, socially anxious or loves to be surrounded by your friends. You know who are you at your heart? Because all of that factors in when you're really sick, and you know if you're potentially facing the end of your life. So I think there are lots of different in. So say the traveling example. Lots of us, it's really important to get experiences to see different places, and so for many of us, being able to keep doing that for as long as we could would be really important and meaningful. So you know, have a think about what that would mean for. In, if I was really sick, would I still want you to, you know, help me? to go new places as much as possible until I couldn't anymore. You know, there's different ways to think about that. But starting with something that matters to you as an individual and your personality is, is a good way to think about it.
2: And it makes sense I'd want to talk about it. I mean, I'm very particular about certain things in life, like who threads my eyebrows. Well, we can't assume this stuff about
3: each other, right?
2: Like, you
3: know, we have really strong preferences about all these different things in our lives, you know, about how we have our sandwiches cut, how our hair is styled, you know, all that kind of stuff. Why wouldn't we have preferences about stuff that's as important as where we would want to die or whether we would want to be cremated or buried? But the thing is we are not mind readers and even our nearest and dearest we can sometimes get so wrong what we think they would want because if we don't have that conversation, then that's where people are left at the end of the day, just guessing.
2: I haven't been able to talk about death with my mother before because she just starts crossing herself immediately like I've jinxed her and somehow brought the death on. So how does one deal with this?
3: Um, You know, everyone's different. Every family is different. But if you notice that you're, you feel like you're pushing up a hill, just trying to open the door to the conversation, you can just call it and just say, yeah, this is really full on, isn't it? This is really intense. Um, You know, and, and kind of even clarify, you know, I don't want any of this stuff to happen. And I'm not talking about this because I want to die or I want you to die, you know, but I want you to know what I would want if it happened. And having this conversation with me is actually really helping me because that way I know that, you know, my nearest and dearest loved ones have my wishes and know what I want in their hearts. And that's really important to me.
2: Well, that conversation might last a whole two minutes. And that's
3: okay. Two minutes can be gold. You know, two minutes might be all you need to actually get the cogs turning in your family's mind and actually just nudge that door open just a little bit to go, okay, this is something that we need to think about. You know, if you're lucky enough to be starting to think about this stuff when you're young and you're not sick, then you're in an amazing position to be able to form your preferences and have those conversations over a period of time. It's
2: an evolving conversation. Okay. So I'm not looking at this one chat like it's the be all and end all, but what if I had bad news, like a terminal diagnosis? How would I approach that? Yeah, I mean that's tough,
3: and I think the thing that's tricky about that is it makes everything more real all of a sudden. Um, there are still really similar conversations that we need to be having, and I guess the tricky thing is that the time scale is is less. You know, you've got less time to talk about it in. I think what changes is that we're now talking about a couple of things at the same time. Most people who get a terminal diagnosis of some sort are still going to hope against hope that they're going to survive. And so they're going to want to try all the treatments that they can, and they're going to want to try and pursue that. And so I think we start thinking about this as a bit of a parallel process, two tracks going at the same time, where on the one hand, you're talking about, you're pursuing, you're hoping for treatment, you're hoping for something to help. On the other side, you're also thinking about what do we need to be thinking about and preparing for? What decisions do we need to make?
2: What if they get real emotional?
3: I would say firstly, that's okay. I think having someone who's able to sit with that with you is one of the most valuable things. And I think one of the problems for people who are unwell is often that a lot of people in their life don't know how to sit with that distressing news i think it's like we were talking about before you just need to kind of figure out ways to diffuse the situation so using your strategies to go on a walk together cook together at the same time you need to try and do it in small chunks start start with the easy stuff start with the hobbies and feel totally within your rights to kind of stop and start the conversation when it's getting too full on okay pop quiz
2: huh i pop what now
3: Name three ways to start a difficult conversation about death, Jan-Fran.
2: OK, uh, talk to them in the kitchen while they're doing something. Tell them why you're bringing this up. Blame the podcast. You can blame this podcast. That's a great idea. Call out the awkwardness. How'd I do? Excellent work. OK, time to try it out for reals. OK. Uh, we've decided to give it another go. Yay. So we're in the kitchen. We've decided to cook some spaghetti bolognese. Nummy nummy. We've got a glass of vino here. Mm-hmm. Also a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just going to kind of like mosey around and have a discussion about our imminent demise.
0: Wee-hoo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How are you feeling? Are you feeling more relaxed? Definitely more relaxed. Is it the wine? It's absolutely the wine. (laughs) But also this setting does feel more relaxed than just like sitting at a table with a glass of water talking about death, right?
1: Yeah, I think the best way to have difficult conversations is to keep your hands and body occupied in some sort of an activity. Like going for a walk or, you know what I mean? Like it just keeps your mind a little busy.
2: Yeah. Okay, Mm. so we've done a good thing. Yeah. So far so good. Um, So I'm in the process of writing a will at the moment. Really? Yeah. I'm actually writing a will.
1: Am I going to benefit from said will?
2: No. (laughs) What? No, why would you benefit? Why not? What would I leave to you? Everything. What do you want? The cat. You want my cat?
1: (laughs) Really? Am I not in your will? I think like if... No, dude, you're (laughs) not in my will.
2: Like, I think if both Al and I were to, you know, have a really bad accident and both die at the same time, then probably you would be in my will if that was to happen, yes. Great. So I just
1: have to make sure that that happens.
2: And then you would be in my will, you'll get the cat. And you'll probably get maybe the apartment, I guess, like half of it. I'd have to split it in two between you and Helen.
1: See, that'd be a good consolation prize. Like I'd be obviously very sad about losing you, but you know, the silver lining. You've always got to look at the positive. You've
2: always got to look at the positive perspective. Your sister dying is that you get half (laughs) her stuff. Good on you. That makes me feel really good. (laughs) I've got two sisters, by the way. That's why I'd have to split it between Helen and Mira. There you go. So I guess these conversations are important. Mm, (laughs) Just be on top of it is all. Like where your private information might be and who might then have access to it, you know, if and when you pass away. But
1: I'll be dead, so I won't care. Okay.
2: (laughs) Fair enough.
1: I'd be worried if I was a serial killer and was hiding some shit on Facebook or Messenger.
2: (laughs) Is there something that you want to discuss? Not on the podcast. <laughs> Do you have a
1: funeral plan? I don't want a funeral in a Maronite Catholic church.
2: Okay. Maronite is just the strand of Catholicism that we are born, born into. into. <laughs> or raised as, raised I suppose. As, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. no thanks. That's not for me.
2: Yeah. I, oh, I, have you thought about where you want it?
1: Um, No. <laughs> I have not I've only thought about Where I don't want it Okay The rest well, is for
2: you To figure out Oh You're happy for Your family and friends To do whatever they want sort Whatever of. they feel Yeah Okay we'll say that Do you know how yeah, Much yeah. easier That makes it for people Yeah Because if everyone Knows that Then it's like Okay sweet I'll just do whatever I want She's fine with that But half the problem Is the guessing What someone Would have wanted And then two people Might guess two different things And hilarity ensues, you know what I mean? Have a low-key conversation every few years, like we're doing now. Cook some spaghetti bolognese, get some wine going, you know? <laughs> I see. Have a conversation, like kind of. Yeah,
1: it just – I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It yeah, because otherwise – It just feels like a weird thing, like is there really a right time and, and... – Well, you can look at it
2: like there's no right time, which means that any time is the right time. There you bloody go. Now, how can you argue with that? <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. I
1: think we're done. Cool beans.
2: Imagine how much worse that would have gone without help from Dr. Ursula Sansom Daly. It's like we've been saying all season: if you put in a bit of work now and have a couple of the hard conversations early, you can pretty much stop worrying about it until you do fall off the perch or at least until your relationship status changes or you have a kid or whatever. But you know what? That's all just maintenance. You put a good framework in and that stuff is routine. Really though, my conversation was pretty easy. Yes, I'm definitely gonna die one day, but at this point, it all feels kind of fairly hypothetical. I mean, I'm healthy, I think. I don't drink that much. I don't smoke unless it's a diary that I scabbed off you at a party, and I do some kind of celebrity-endorsed exercise class two to three times a week. But imagine how much harder that conversation would be if the hypothetical was taken away, if you walked into your local GP one day and were given a time frame, What does that sound like?
4: You never expect it. You go and see a doctor, you get your results and tests and things like that, but. We've both been very lucky. We've never had any major illnesses. Very lucky. And so to suddenly you get this bang. <laughs> that was really...
2: Just like a bus. Literally, it's like a... When someone says that, it's like a
4: bus just wipes you out. Mm. Yeah.
2: Just like in a film. Just not really, you know, just really, really odd. Yeah. Now I know what shock is. I, I just... I, I just remember them talking, and I couldn't hear anything you were saying. It's like uh. I just went deaf. Yeah. That's Anna and Dean Rogers. They've been together since they were teenagers and have two sons. In August 2017, Dean was diagnosed with stage four terminal lung cancer.
4: I've known from day one that um, there's no cure for me.
2: They decided to handle it the way they've always handled things.
4: You do you have that diagnosis? It brings everything to the forefront. You have to you have to face this stuff. You can choose to hide away from it but it ain't going to go away. We're an odd couple.
2: And again, I think that's because we've been together so long. Probably if we met in our 20s, we'd be completely different. I don't think they'd mind us saying that, well, Dean and Anna are big talkers about life. And that meant about death as well. They decided straight up to talk about everything they could think of with the time that Dean had left, about how Dean wants to be cared for. Dean has said, I don't want to go into intensive care. No, it, no, you know, no. if you go into intensive care, you won't be coming out again. Where he wants to die.
4: You'd like to die at home, that's your wishes. Yeah, in, um, a, in an ideal world.
2: Yeah, and we we'll try again.
4: and keep you at home yeah. as
2: long as we can. Yeah. About the will and family finances.
4: Um, it was through the council council. Um, and it was a free will, so we thought, well, get some for free, why not? <laughs> and that was, that was, it was basically so very quick. quick.
2: Very quick. About an emotional
4: legacy. Thoughts, feelings, yeah, they're just basically transcribed into a book just to let the boys know I'm proud of them. Um, just as, you know, one of my sayings that when things are going wrong is the sun will still come up tomorrow. Just just little things like that. Don't stress about the yeah. small stuff. No, I'll put a sentence in for you which hopefully will make you laugh. Oh, A very, very specific one for you. Oh, God. <laughs> Stop butting <laughs> in and you don't listen. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or the funeral. Burn me, don't don't bury me, because
2: cremation. cremation. Don't say "burning." Cremation. Again,
4: I call it burning. This is my just just my dark humour.
2: Now here's the thing, Dean and Anna both know that the grief won't be any easier because of the planning, but. It's given, particularly Dean, a sense of control. He has an idea of what Anna and their kids' lives will look like when he's gone. Here's what Dean wants you to know.
4: I think the the biggest message I would like to get across to people about not just my, my journey, but having seen other people around me, is that there is so much support and help and available if you choose to use it, it's never forced on you. you. You do still have a say in what goes on. I've always made a point of being open to tr- different treatments and things like that in my oncologists so or the doctors think it's got a viable go. Um, yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help because I've been lucky, I haven't had to actually ask for anything because there's been so much offered there's probably more than enough for my tiny brain to to cope with throughout the journey, but yeah, I've never felt alone and isolated through the journey of my treatment.
2: I am so grateful that Dean and Anna spoke to us, because they've helped to demystify this thing that we're all going to go through, which is both massive and somehow incredibly mundane at the same time. You know, I've really been thinking about what it all means. That death is just really the start of... Grim, Grim Reaper. I'm the Grim Reaper. Just when I was getting philosophical.
5: It's me, your controversial best mate, the Grim Reaper. Grimmy!
2: me. I'm happy to see you. Oh. Even I've got to admit, it's been a wild ride.
5: I told you. Let's take a look back at all we've learned together. Lovely to meet you. I'm here every time someone dives. Can't you tell? With my robe and my scythe? Want to hold it? No! <laughs> who gets the cat? I'd imagine you have several. You, d- sorry, that's, is that a mean thing to say? But no, that's yeah.
2: perfect. And um, I do have several, and I plan to accumulate more, frankly. Oh, good. Mm-hmm.
5: Well, you just let them just do it themselves, right? And they just keep, Yep. Yeah.
2: Who's in hell? Like, I mean, like, who do you hang out with down there?
5: Um, well... In my role, it's more of like a kind of admin role. I don't actually spend that much time really in hell. I kind of poke my head in Super the Christmas. I mean, you know, it's the people you expect to be there.
2: Yeah. Um, okay, okay, Grameek, <laughs> do you know like when when I'm going to go or can, can you give me like some insight into that?
5: I've got pretty hard and fast rules about not telling people exactly, but all I would say is...
2: But like am I in water or am I in the like sky or am I on land? Can you give me...
5: All I'll say is... Skip Falls Festivals 2030. Don't fear the reaper, but also you should fear the reaper. I have many powers and I can kill you. Oh. Hey, I've got news. You're not the only one who's changed. For a while, I thought I loved being the door bitch to the underworld. But what I really loved was, well, let's be honest, the cloak and the kudos I got from the management. The... Uh, what? So I think it's time for me to retire. Sure, you might look at me and think he's young, by Grim Reaper standards, but I only took the gig because I wanted, you yeah, know, a good seat to the gladiator battles. If I'm honest, I'm an empath, really. So
2: what are you going to do now?
5: I've decided to take an internship as Santa. We'll see what happens. I mean, look, I don't have a face and I have to remember not to hug the children.
2: Oh, grimy! Grimmy! I'd give you a hug right now, but that does seem like a terrible idea.
5: Yeah, don't touch me.
2: What a whirlwind. Right, time to take stock. What are the things we've learnt? You can handle conversations about this, and you can do it at any stage of your life. There are so many lessons here. But if I had to choose just three, because this is the Pineapple Project and I'm contractually obliged to do so, I'd choose the following. One... Write a will and update it when your circumstances change. Where do the kids go? Who gets the 1992 Holden Barina? So much could be disputed and you don't want to cause fights, so will it up. Two, when it comes to funeral planning, the crucial thing that you need to know is always ask for an itemised breakdown of costs. The funeral home has to give it to you and this could save you mega bucks. And three... Talk to your family about what you'd be prepared to live with if you couldn't speak for yourself. And then write that down in an advance care plan. Go to advancecareplanning.org.au for more info. With all of this, it really helps to have these conversations to highly dramatic music. Choose something special like Evanescence or Pavarotti's pop album. And we want to know how you're going have you listened to this podcast and DIY'd your death? Maybe you've written a will. Maybe you've contested a will. Let us know how it's gone. Give us a call and leave us a message on 1300 641 2 I'm Jan Fran, this is The Pineapple Project, and together we are doing death better. We wanted to give you an update about Dean and Anna. Since recording this interview, Dean has passed away. Our thoughts are with Anna and their sons. We cannot thank him and Anna enough for giving us their precious time to talk.
4: I've often said to Anna, I said, when I die, just fold me up in half and then I'll stick me in the garbage <laughs> bin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when <you>
2: say that. <laughs> well, that didn't happen. Anna told us that Dean was farewelled at a small family service, like he wanted, and his friends had beers for him at the pub in Geelong.
0: That was the final episode of season four of The Pineapple Project, which is all about death. It's hosted by Jan Fran, and the award-winning podcast has also tackled money, work, even home organization. You can find it everywhere you get your ABC podcasts. I'm Sonic Adar, catch you next time.